The new preacher, fresh out of college, had just moved into town. He was nervous but excited about all of the opportunities. After a few days, a nurse at the hospital called and said that he needed to come and visit Mabel. He had never met Mabel, but but she was a member of the church. On the way to the hospital, he thought about all of the scriptures he needed to read and what words to use in the prayer. He was nervous as he walked into Mabel's room. He tried to make small talk with her, but she was unable. She told him, just say a prayer for me. The preacher asked, what specifically do you want me to pray for? To be healed, said Mabel. The preacher said a flowery prayer full of scriptures, and then he concluded with Amen. He was ready to leave the room when Mabel said, I feel much better. Then she sat up in bed and said, I think the Lord has healed me. Then she stood up on the bed and said, loudly, praise God, glory, hallelujah. The preacher was so startled and nervous that he ran out of the room, tackled the nurse coming to see what was going on, and ran to his car. He stopped at his car to get his breath, and his heart was pounding. He looked up into heaven and said, Lord, don't you ever do that to to me again. You scared the wits out of me. There was a young girl who lived in New York, and her parents didn't allow her to play in the streets, so she had to play upstairs. Now, where she played, it was a third-floor window, and she would always play by this window. One day, she was playing and lost her balance and fell to the ground. Some people who saw her fall ran and called the ambulance. When they got there, they rushed the little girl to the emergency room. The doctors put her on the table and began to examine her, but she had no broken bones. The doctor looked puzzled, and the people who saw her said, examine her again. But the little girl kept saying, I didn't fall. A man caught me. So they released her, and she went home. As time moved on, she and her mother went to her aunt's house to visit. And there was a picture on the wall of Jesus. And the little girl said, Mama, that's the man that caught me. I believe God is still in the miracle working business. Just like those stories that I just told you, I believe those. And and he's not done with doing miracles today. I just want to say thank you for joining us. We are in a Waymaker series, and if you remember with me, the goal in this series is to understand Jesus in a new way. I was moved by being on Facebook and seeing one of our young moms singing the song Waymaker through this situation with the pandemic. And I believe there's some miracles going on right now that, that really aren't supernatural, but but occurring. One of them is that everything is canceled. The miracle of everything canceled. No ball games, no extracurricular activities, no travel ball, no school. It slows us down. And, And I want you to think with me of what a miracle worker is. It's a person who claims or is alleged to perform miracles. Figuratively, it's someone who accomplishes a difficult task. Some of the modern-day miracles that we see is technology like the Internet and FaceTime and and our cell phones and and medically surgeries and cancers and what once would lay us up for months. Now we walk out of the hospital the next day, ready to go back to work. Now we looked at Jesus in our signs series. We looked at seven signs that were recorded in Scripture in John And we see where Jesus was a miracle worker, 
And, and some of us are a little skeptical about that, but recorded in Scripture, Jesus had 37 miracles that were recorded. And we believe he did so many more. But another thing that's occurring right now is reducing the number of deaths from COVID-19, from the virus, from 1 to 2 million down to 60,000 deaths. America, through social distancing, staying at home, and it's truly miraculous. That's how it occurred, through this social distancing. And I, I believe that's an answer to prayer, that the people of God, the church has been praying for for healing and deliverance, but also for years for revival. And I think that's occurring right now in the epidemic. But I believe also right now we need a miracle worker. And if you don't believe in miracles, I want you to listen to this story anyway from the Gospel of Mark, where this Mark, we believe, was Simon Peter's, the apostle's nephew, that was also present at many of Jesus' miracles. He was an eyewitness of the death, burial, and crucifixion of Jesus. And and in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, he starts in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Storms happen in our lives, don't they? Now on Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee, a squall blew up. There's mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee, and violent storms rising without warning are very common there. And in this particular storm, the waves were so strong that they were breaking over the bow of the boat and filling the boat. Now, that's a natural storm, but how about the storms in your life? What waves are breaking over the bow of your life? We see Jesus is in the boat, the disciples are in the boat, and the storm has come, and it's breaking over the bow. But what is Jesus doing. Now, Jesus was asleep on a cushion in the storm, down in the storm. There's no doubt that he was physically exhausted, but more than that, it communicated that he wasn't worried about the storm, but he was resting in God. Now, this was not a rowboat. This was a larger boat, and apparently Jesus was below in the storm, and it was covered where the water did not awaken him or could not get to him, so he wasn't wet. And he was resting without concern. Now, I want to ask you a question personally. How do you sleep? Do you sleep soundly? Do you get adequate rest? Are you resting in God? Do you know how to rest in God? But notice in verse 38, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They woke him up and and rebuked him for his unconcern. The disciples had the courage to be transparent enough to question Jesus. The disciples were being driven by fear. And in Mark 4, we see that Jesus and disciples had gotten into the boat. Jesus falls asleep, and 
An unexpected storm from nowhere comes, and the disciples panic in fear. Now, Jesus is not pacing. He's not worrying. They ask, don't you care about the storm that we are in? We might ask him the same question. The business that I own, the business that I work for is in trouble. Jesus, don't you care? Medical workers on their front lines, people dying around them. Don't you care? People trying to work from home with children. Jesus, don't you care? Someone I love has a medical emergency. I can't be in the hospital with them. Jesus, don't you care? My school schedule is all messed up. There will be no traditional graduation. Jesus, don't you care? I'm in retirement. I have money invested. And, and the stock market is going up and down. There's financial uncertainty. Jesus, don't you care? I just want to say to you, don't ever feel guilty about questioning God. The question is, do you question Jesus? Do you actually realize how you are feeling and say it out loud? Do you ask him if he cares? Let's go to verse 39. What occurs? And he awoke, Jesus awoke, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus performed a miracle, and he said to the storm, knock it off. Today, do you need a miracle? Does he say to you, peace be still? Does the storm stop in your life? Do you have a great calm in the storm? What miracle do you need? So he says this, and then he says to them, in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The disciples were being fear-driven. Do you still have no faith? Fear is the enemy. Fear is a feeling, and it's natural to feel that fear and to call it out. But afraid is not, afraid is a choice. The opposite of fear isn't faith. The opposite of fear is love. God's word tells us that perfect love drives out fear. So he wakes up, says, peace be still. And in verse 41, what do the disciples do? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Then they were really afraid when... It said they were filled with great fear. That means that they were so fearful that on a scale to 1 to 10, with 10 being high, that they were at an 11. They, They were now afraid of who or what it was in the boat with them. Who is this guy? Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus to you? Jesus, the creator of the universe, told the wind to stop, and it did. He told the waves to stop, and they did. How could they not obey the one who had created them? The noise of the wind and the water and the shouts of the disciples suddenly stopped. The calm must have been as peaceful as Jesus' rest had been. He did a miracle, and he said to the storm, knock it off. We need a miracle today. We need a miracle worker. Maybe today... You believe that in your head. I want you to believe that, and I want him to do that for you. 
But you might ask, but Chris, when is he going to do it, and how is he going to do it? One of the reasons why this season that we are in is so difficult and so fear-producing is we are being forced away from self-reliance to complete reliance on God. The disciples knew how to sail. They could handle it until a storm came up, and they couldn't. In our lives, typically we feel that we have control, that we are a self-reliant people. If we have a challenge or are facing some kind of crisis, we found, find out what to do, we, we come up with some kind of solution, and, and we're going to go after it, and, and we are going to knock it out. One of, one of the things that is so unusual about this coronavirus is that we don't have a lot of answers, and we're told to stay at home. We just can't rely on ourselves. So much of this is outside of our control. And, and, and I want to invite you to lean into God now more than ever. And maybe that is hard for some of you because maybe you do not believe in God or this is rocking your faith in God. In those moments of doubt, we need clear understanding of who Jesus really is. You might ask yourself, well, how has God revealed himself? In the Old Testament, God revealed himself as L, just as Lowercase God, lowercase g, God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Jehovah Rapha, God my healer. Jehovah Shalom, God my peace. Yahweh to Moses in that burning bush. I am. Now, how does he reveal himself in the New Testament in Jesus? In relationship, not religion, not rules, but in love. He reveals Jesus. Jesus reveals himself as a healer, a provider, God's presence, a comforter. He is the bridegroom to the church of God. Jesus even says, I am. That is who I really am. Now, we need to examine the attributes of God at this time. We, we have, when we have a need, God reveals himself in that need. But every time we have a need, there's always something else that precedes the need. And that is uncertainty. We might have the need for food, maybe for toilet paper or hand sanitizer or for money or for a new job because you've been laid off or been let go through this virus. We're struggling maybe with parenting because the kids are at home all the time. And how to discipline? How do we do it? Years ago, there was a Dutch experiment. And they divided people into two separate groups. And one group would get 20 electric shocks. Three shocks would be intense and 17 would be mild. And another group would get all 20 intense shocks. But the trick about this experiment was the group that only got the 17 mild shocks and the three intense shocks didn't know when those three intense shocks were going to come. Guess which group endured more stress and anxiety? It was the group that got the 17 mild shocks and the only, only the three. Why would you... Why would they do that? Well, the reason was that their anxiety level was higher because they didn't know when those intense shocks would come. And there was a level of uncertainty with it. And so right now, with all of this uncertainty, all of these unknowns, 
of even how long this is going to last, or how many more deaths, or how many more cases. And we don't know in the long term how this is going to affect my, our families and our jobs. And I believe at this moment, the church of God, the people of God, need to step into this crisis and bring the hope that's in Christ. And I just want to say that I am proud of you. I'm proud of our church family and to, to be a light in our town. And, and I appreciate that, that you've been praying and we've been partner, partnering together. I know that food items are being safely donated and serving vulnerable children, and, and we're providing a daycare for essential workers at this time, and that you are doing some neighboring that you haven't done and keeping in contact with people and following up and caring for others. And I really, really appreciate that, and I'm just thankful for you. In church history, there was a very small group, a very small percentage of the Roman Empire that were Christians. But how did... Christianity grow in the Roman Empire, it took a couple of pandemics. In fact, pandemics have always been a time when God's people have pointed those outside of Christ to Jesus. And in AD 260, a plague struck. Marcus Aurelius was the emperor of Rome at the time, and it was possibly smallpox, but we're not quite sure what kind of virus it was, and it killed a quarter to a third of the Roman Empire. Estimates at that time say that there were about 45,000 Christians in Rome, about 0.08% of the Roman Empire. And in spite of their small numbers, their conduct in the pandemic won the admiration of the citizens of Rome and won them a great following. Dionysius, the bishop of Alexandria, said, most of our brother and sister Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves, thinking only of one another, heedless of danger. They took charge of the sick, taking care of every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. They were infected by the others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pain. Many in caring and nursing and curing others, they carried their death to themselves and died in their stead. There's a bit, it's, that's a bit sobering. And I'm not suggesting that we put ourselves in harm's way, but what I am suggesting and want you to notice that it was Christ followers that were first to rush to the front lines. And they didn't shrink back. Today, it's medical professionals that are going into harm's way. They are leaning in. And we are praying for them. And we step into this, but we don't succumb to fear. We hold on to hope. We point people to the hope that can be found in Jesus. We take the energy of our fear, and we turn it into love. And we love others with the love of Christ that he has so richly given to us. Christians have been different throughout history. One of the worst things that could happen to us might be one of the best things. Because when we tell the story of COVID-19, we want to make sure that the stories we tell are stories that we are going to be proud to tell. Now is one of our finest moments not to succumb to fear, but to lean into love. I would challenge you to rest in the miracle worker. Jesus slept in the storm because he knew who controlled the storm. Jesus was exhausted 
He rested, and I believe that ever so important now is that daily rhythm of seeking intimacy with God has power to transform our lives and others' lives. Our hope is that each person in our community of faith is on a vital journey to become who God made them to be, abiding in him and drawing closer every day, resting in him. How do you rest in G- rest like Jesus did? First of all, take a breath and take a moment before you enter into studying God's word. And, and when you read, listen to God's voice, to what he has to say to you today, to meet him in the moment, to hear his whisper, and then to lean into him and rest on his word, on his hope, to rely on his way and let him speak to you the words you need for the day, to put your faith and trust in him. How? My challenge is for you this week, even for you that are afraid of believing in miracles, we need to believe in the miracle worker and allow him to do his work in us and through us. He is still in the miracle business. I would challenge you today to count the miracles in your life, the unbelievable things that that are so incredible that you've taken for granted, that you never expected. How has God provided for you and led you to this place for his purpose? He's doing a work in you and around you for his glory. Say with me, I believe in the miracle worker and that he does miracles today. I also want you, before you go to bed at night, to say, God, I rest in you. Jesus is my miracle worker. He is going to take me through this pandemic. He's going to provide for my every need. The greatest miracle that I can think of is a life that is transformed by Jesus Christ. For that person who comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, to experience the life transformation of that life in Christ, to confess him as Savior and Lord, and to allow him to do his transforming work. And that is his invitation to you today, to know him as your miracle worker and experience the greatest miracle of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Let's pray together. And remember... If you respond to Christ or if you need prayer, if you have a need that we can help with, please, you know, go to the chat room, message us, email us, call us. And just now I just want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this day and for this time. I thank you that Jesus is our miracle worker. And Father, I pray for our members, these viewers at this time, that you would be their miracle worker that they would see and have hope and courage and strength to bless others at this time. Father, I know you're doing a great work, and there's revival, and millions are coming to you. And we just praise you for that, and we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.